0: Hi Abby.
1: Hey Levi.
0: Well, it's uh, week four, or I guess I should say episode four of of the Soul Files, and uh, a record for us. It's the fastest turnaround since our last episode.
1: Yeah, we are not able to leave our house, and there's like nothing, nothing to do outside, and so we're just stuck inside and have all this time, and we're out of television shows. Uh, You'd think, given all of this extra time we have, we would do a really fun creative edit for you. But I think we're just going to let this interview play. Yeah.
0: So with that being said, welcome to the Swole Files episode four. It's a podcast where episode by episode, we get to know a fellow colleague. We're profiling a new Swomi each and every episode.
1: This week on the Swole Files, we're getting to know Courtney Reynolds, Learning and Development Manager for North America.
0: She's often nerding out. She loves the good old fashion. And her favorite software one trip includes getting an impromptu tattoo.
1: All this and more on the fourth episode of The Swo-Files.
0: And you know, we have to say first and foremost, uh, congratulations are in order.
1: Yes, Courtney, when we sat down with her for this interview was about eight months pregnant. And we're happy to share with our audience that on March 23rd, River June entered this world. So mom and baby are doing well, um, and we're, we're excited to, for you guys to hear a little more um, from Courtney.
0: Yeah, and the only thing to note before we uh, roll the interview is that when we did this interview, I was in the room with Courtney, and Abby was dialed into the Surface Hub. So you'll probably hear that the, um, the audio is a little bit off. It's a little bit harder to hear Abby during the course of the interview, but Um, we've heard your feedback and you know being a new podcast that's something we're really working to improve over future episodes
1: yeah and um, this interview we did was really conversational and so we're just gonna go ahead and play it for you so without further ado take a listen
2: yep so my name is Courtney Reynolds and my title is Learning and Development Manager for North America, and I've been with Software One for four and a half years.
0: And I I guess a follow-up question to that is, you know, what's your Software One story, right? Everyone likes to ask that. But how did you find Software One? How did you get here?
2: Uh, Yeah, so I actually come from higher education. I worked on college campuses for 11 years before joining Software One. And I knew that I wanted to make the jump over to corporate learning and development for a number of reasons, but um, when I came and interviewed with Software One, um, I, I interviewed with this panel of leaders here in Waukesha, and I fell in love with the company, like fell in love. To the extent that when I went home after my interview, I told my husband, if I don't get this job, it's going to feel like a funeral. Wow. Uh, Yeah, and part of what made it so um, amazing and intriguing to me was that Kevin Osterman was part of my interview panel. And he, um, when I I was explaining my background in higher education, and I said, admittedly, I don't have any experience in technology I uh, don't know much about software, and he was like, "We can teach you all of that." What we care most about is finding the right cultural fit, and if you are a cultural fit, like, right on, let's bring you on board. And um, it's just, um, I just fell in love. I thought it was one of that interview was one of the coolest experiences of my career.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Were um, Were you already in Milwaukee at the time when you were? Interviewing with
2: that? I was, yeah. So I was finishing up a master's program at Purdue University in technology leadership. So it kind of the, the universes came together in a really nice way. Um, my family is from here, and um, my husband and I had recently relocated here, and so, yep.
0: It all worked out. Mm-hmm.
1: And so, tell us more about how, why you made the decision to move from higher ed to this. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> Oh boy, so higher education um, is wonderful in a lot of ways, but there were also some things about it that I knew just weren't a good fit for me. And what I mean by that is um, there's a lot of politics and bureaucracy and hierarchy and a lot of red tape and um, especially being at an institution like, I was at Purdue for six years before I came to software one and it's big and making changes um, there um, everybody would refer to, to trying to make changes as needing to turn the Titanic around because uh, that's what it felt like. And so um, I knew I wanted to be in a more fast paced environment. I wanted to be somewhere where you could have some autonomy and um, I've always identified as having an entrepreneurial spirit and so just somewhere where I could call shots and um, take some risks and where failure was acceptable if you could learn from it. and. Um, And so and it's and I say that, but that's literally how I described my ideal job before I found software one. And then, as you guys know, that is software one. Um, So it was so exciting to to make that leap.
0: Do you feel corporate now?
2: What does it mean? Well, I,
0: I don't know that. I don't even know what that means. But just thinking of you knew there was something different. Yeah,
2: Yeah. do I feel corporate now? I will say when I, when I left higher education, so I was in my master's program, and I took a leap in that, I knew I wasn't happy, I wanted to just focus on school full-time, we wanted to move to Wisconsin, so I, I quit my job at Purdue, actually, um, after working there for six years, and I was told I was committing career suicide. Um, and, and even to this day, I'll have people from higher ed now who reach out to me and they're kind of like, what's it like on the other side? I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about making the switch to, to the corporate side. And, um, I always tell them I've never looked back. Um, do I feel corporate? I feel like I've, I've learned and grown exponentially. Um, it's different. Yeah. yeah. That's all I have to say on that. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. it's uh, a good question. Yeah.
1: So how do you describe what you do to your friends that don't work mm-hmm. here? And more so, I think, a lot of your friends prior to working here probably were in higher ed.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, just in general, how would you describe what you do to
2: non-software one folk? Yeah, um, do a lot of I mean, the fun way that I like to describe it to people in short is saying that I, I like to create light bulb moments for teams and people. Um, but... Um, For example, there have been a few calls. I've software one calls I've been on where I've had family um, that have been within earshot, and um, if I'm coaching someone or I'm helping to to solve um, team problems, they're always like, "Oh, we need one of you at our at our company or for our team." So I think it's um, just explaining that I coach people, we serve teams, we teach, we grow people. We're just there to support people through problem-solving and to help them reach their goals and their career aspirations, et cetera.
0: Do you find it hard for people to understand what Software One does, <laughs> even if they understand what you do?
2: Because yeah. I find that a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's typical. Like, I think, like you know, my family will always call me and be like, you fix my computer?
0: <laughs> right.
2: Uh, so, yes, yeah, I, I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I can say the way that I the way that I've learned to describe it is just that um, as businesses for businesses, buying, purchasing and managing software is this big, complex, potentially expensive thing. And they need help. And we're just here to help them navigate that. We're experts.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a really good answer. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you kind of maybe hit on it, but like, do you have a favorite part to your job right now?
2: Yeah, twofold. Um, I love this question, by the way, and it just helps me to go into like my for one happy place. So um, I would say the thing that usually just makes my heart sing and that I, you wouldn't have to pay me to do is, is coaching. And specifically, um, I love working with leaders who are working with their teams um, to problem solve, to help build trust, to help take their teams to the next level. And there is nothing more rewarding than seeing leaders who I'm working with in the background, um, and they go out and they um, step out of their comfort zones or try something new, or they decide to give some tough feedback, or they decide to really push their teams, um, and then they see results from that. That is like, it just makes me so happier to see a team um, that I've been involved with get recognized or um, outperform uh, their their goals. It's just um, super joyful for me. So that's part one. And then I think um, probably the L and D team, which I know—that's um, a question that you guys were going to ask. About, we'll just but... go into that right now.
0: Yeah, okay. roll right into that. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: I work. I work on a, what I would say is a really phenomenal, really special team. Um, so I work with two women right now, um, Katie Hill and Lucretia Hall, and um, we're just in one of those places. Well. I'm just going to jump all over here. So part one, if, if you've talked to me and you know me, you've probably heard me say, I have this belief that we're really lucky if at maybe two or three points during the span of a career, we have a leader or a boss we get to work for who is just truly phenomenal. And what I mean by phenomenal is like this person sees your talents, they advocate for you, you love working for them, they're pushing you, they're giving you feedback, you're learning, you're growing. Um, and it's just this um, symbiotic, really cool relationship, and I and I have that with Lucretia right now, and I don't take that for granted. And she is, um, when I say I've grown exponentially over my years at Sophomore One, she's a huge part of the reason for that. Um, so that's magical. And then working with Katie, um, Katie is just this like curious, smart. Um, amazing woman who also though loves to just generate ideas and creativity and execute on stuff and when she says she's gonna do something she goes out there and goes after it and she expects the same from the people around her and so when you put the three of us together and then additionally we're all kind of like I jokingly say hippy dippy but we all really like like drinking kombucha and practicing yoga and meditation and it kind of goes hand-in-hand I guess with what we do for our organization Um, we're all really invested in self growth and development and reading and nerding out and it's just so much fun so it's just it's a really cool team that i get to be a part of right now that's awesome um okay so one question
1: we've been asking everyone we've been talking to is um as you know patrick our late ceo used to talk about work-life harmony yeah. Um and so we've been kind of asking people on what that means to them and how they find a balance and, and to speak to a lot of times we get to know everyone's work life but what what's the life life harmony
2: part like for you? It's a very personal question too, you recognize so yeah, it's a great question and i I really like um. I really like the concept of work-life harmony versus balance I don't think, I think if you strive for this perfect 50-50 thing, you're gonna always be let down on one side or the other. And I think there is, I think this is like one of the cool parts about software one is (laughs) if I go back to my days in higher education, like your butt had to be in a seat for nine hours a day at the same hours and and then some. But um, here I feel like there's weeks where I put in, you know, I grind and I'm putting in a ton, a ton, a ton of hours. And then there's weeks where it's quieter and I feel totally supported in like scaling back a little bit and spending more time with my family or if I need to leave early and take my kid out to a doctor's appointment or whatever that looks like, I have flexibility to do that. And I feel um, a really true sense of harmony here, more so than I've ever felt in my career. Um, and then you asked about what's the life side like for me. Um, so I have a two-year-old at home, and I'm also expecting um, my second little one in a month. And so um, my world revolves a lot around family and my, my partner, Steve, and um, <laughs> um, it seems kind of cliche, but because I'm a learning and development nerd. Um, <laughs> I am like reading all the parenting books. It's so focused on, like we talk about it in our learning and development workshops. Um, this researcher named Carol Dweck from Stanford and she talks about um, having a growth versus a fixed mindset. And we're talking about people at Software One about that all the time. And you better believe that I'm super focused on trying to raise um, now two little kids that are in a growth mindset. Yeah. And, um, so I apply a lot of what I do at work at home as well. Um, but outside of that, um, I mean, I'm ai am a, I'm a, a third-generation Milwaukeean, so I love our city and I love to get out and explore. When I'm not pregnant, I really like drinking old fashions and microbrews and um, I mentioned meditation and yoga and journaling and reading and um, spending time with friends and doing all the things that make life rich and well-rounded.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's, it's about middle of February right now when we're... Recording this, you said you'd do in about a month. So I mean, we don't want, really want to commit, but I think Abby and I are going to try to finish this before okay. you go on maternity okay. leave. All so right. that's our goal. We'll,
1: have,
2: we'll be recording If that. I actually I haven't <laughs> asked of any fellow swumies who are listening to this podcast, if it's like any time April or after, and you're listening to the send me coffee or um, good wishes, because if you know anything about the newborn phase of life, it is a zoo and you're running on no sleep and so i will take all of the good wishes and caffeine
0: that that's a good idea yeah we'll yeah. have to make a plug for that yeah. in the episode Coffee or diapers i mean
2: mm-hmm. Our podcast recommendations things
1: to to occupy you if you're up late at night with the little ones yeah yeah
0: Anything like that i that's wanted cool. to do one more big kind of question before we switch over to some more non-work type stuff which we call rapid fire and I, I wanted to ask you more about women in IT, your involvement in the sense of that within the Software One, I guess, confinement, because it could mean a lot in a broader sense, but I, I mean, at least from an observer like me, you've been very instrumental in what that looks like for Software One over the last however many years. And Can you maybe speak a little bit to your involvement or passion or more about how that's been?
2: Yes. Yes. Yeah, so, um, absolutely. Thank you for asking. Um, I'm very passionate about our Women in Technology initiative, as well as just the greater subject of diversity and inclusion. Um, I've been involved with I'm going to call it WIT um, since I really since I joined Software One. I was part of starting the Noram WIT chapter in 2016, and um, at that time, what we were just recognizing is we wanted to see more women represented and leadership and specifically in executive level leadership in North America and so we kind of we set out to hopefully make an impact there but then just also to provide some spaces for not just women for everybody though to talk about diversity and inclusion and and women in leadership and why do we care about this and um and so it started out as having a, a series of speakers really who we would invite in externally who were Um, Women from all different industries, um, but women in leadership and having them come in and talk and we got really positive response to that and I'll say over the years we've evolved and I think now we're digging a little bit deeper and trying to push ourselves on how do we open up a greater conversation about um, cultural diversity and and um, sexual orientation and, you know, the everything that diversity and inclusion embodies and how are we supporting underrepresented groups within our organization. Um, and it is hard work, uh, but rewarding work, um, and I think something I'm really proud of um, that we've seen, I mean, certainly I think we've seen a ton of growth across Software One as a company in this realm, but Um, In North America, certainly, we've seen some phenomenal things. We know of Ashley Gary as our North American regional leader. Um, I was just reading an interview with Dr. Arlene Aspinall, who is our global head of digital transformation, and she built our digital transformation advisory practice, Um, just won a a super prestigious award. Um, She was recognized as one of the 100 most influential Hispanic leaders in technology. And um, so I think we're just really fortunate to start to see more and more women, um, phenomenal women recognized and promoted within um, globally and within North America. So that's really exciting to see. And I'll say one more thing on this, which is um, WIT, um, you know, when we talk about why we have it, I think a lot, we still have a lot of people that are like, it's 2019 or it's 2020, we don't need an initiative like WIT. Um, But when you dig into the research, um, We know that companies in the top quartile for gender diversity on executive teams are 21% more likely to outperform on profitability, um, and companies in the top quartile for ethnic and cultural diversity on executive teams are 33% more likely to have industry-leading profitability. So there is some good data to back up why we we put in this work.
0: Really strong business reasons for that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 Uh, Are you fine with transitioning to Rapid Fire, Abby? Yeah, I
1: think so. All right.
0: You want, you want to go first?
1: Yeah. Okay, Corey. I'm excited for this one. I think you'll again. Okay. Uh, if we had a theme song to introduce you, we got the licensing rights, of course. Uh, what would that song be and why? Or just what would it be?
2: Oh, it, it probably changes. Right now, it's a song I'm just digging that just reminds me of my life and my work is probably um, a song by this group called The High Women. Um, the high, highway women, high women, Abby, you know, right? Is it the high women?
1: It's the, it's the, <laughs> uh, I should know
2: this. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Um, they have a song called Crowded Table and uh, that would be my, that would be my theme song.
0: What was your first job?
2: I, <laughs> I worked, uh, at an equine vet clinic, oh. uh, cleaning up horse manure and, um, driving a tractor and helping to feed and care for horses. I've always, I grew up actually competitively horseback riding. I've always loved horses. And so I I think I was 14, 14 or 15 and I, um, I worked at, at a vet clinic. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. This is the question you said you
0: didn't want to answer.
1: Are we
2: cutting, or do
1: you have a story for us? What is the question? Take us back to your scenes. What is one story from your teenage years to give us an idea of like what genre of person Courtney Reynolds was as like a fifteen-year-old or a sixteen-year-old or a seventeen-year-old? Oh, I think.
2: Like, I knew- what were you, like even like what were you listening to? Uh, well, I mean, I was listening to. I was really into grunge rock, like Nirvana and Pearl Jam and Stone Temple Pilots, and anyway. Um, but. Um, but i think the story that i that i talk about a lot when i talk about my own journey that's gotten to me to where it gotten me to where i am is um and it relates back to my involvement in all this women in technology stuff and women's leadership. Uh, when I was when I was like 15 or 16, I um, and all the way through my early to mid-20s, I thought I was convinced that um, I was going to go to college and get what I jokingly called an MRS degree, which now feels super offensive to me when I say it out loud. I hate saying it. But I was like, I just want to be a mom. I want like five kids. I'm going to be married by the time I'm like... 23 and i'm gonna have babies and i can't wait to be a stay-at-home mom and that's my calling in life and um i was convinced that that was it and um and a series of of events kind of flipped my world on its head as i got older and older and um eventually uh kind of came into my own and um fell in love with uh feminism and realized that i i have so much respect by the way especially now being a mama for stay-at-home parents, it is no joke, and that is a full-time career, so I don't mean to, to knock on it, but that's not my calling. Um, and I, I think I have a lot to contribute um, to my field and to, um, to where I'm working, and uh, so, yeah, you wouldn't probably have recognized me if you would have met me back in, back in that time span.
0: Funny how life changes like that, uh-huh. yeah. Yep. Um, you made a comment earlier about nerding out, uh-huh. and can, so what is nerding out?
2: Mm-hmm. I talk about nerding out all the time. Uh, for me, nerding out mm-hmm. is data. Like, I love looking at numbers and data. The like, Gallup is my great example of an organization who, anytime I just I see a report from them, I always open it up to look and see, because they're always researching, like, what makes people tick? And let's go out and study thousands of people and pull the numbers and, and the data. And I just get so geeked out over that stuff. Um, but I think it also includes... Um, Like in my old age, I can't stand reading fictional books. A lot of times I have to read nonfiction because I just feel like if I'm gonna read, I wanna be learning and absorbing information that's gonna like help me in my work and my life. Um, It's having really deep conversations where people are challenging each other and comfortable disagreeing respectfully and um, having new insights and anything like that. Anything to expand your brain. And your understanding of the world around you.
0: So maybe you and uh, Alex can have like a, a numbers off. Because Alex is known as a numbers guy. I don't know yeah. if you know that. So. I
2: think Alex so I have numbers are not my forte though. Like I have I have number envy, you know, like I'd like to have a brain more like Alex on the numbers side, which I don't. Um He might he's but, teaching his kid some patterns, some math patterns oh, so that we'll have to connect you Yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> So something like that, maybe. Uh huh. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll do like the people side and like growth and development side, and Alex can like give me the numbers to inform that. And we'll we'll work together. Oh, I
1: like mm-hmm. a good collaboration. Mm-hmm. What um what was the last thing you nerded out on? Would you say is there like a book you're reading right now or
2: a study, if you will? Cal Newport. Yeah, there's a there's a professor from MIT named Cal Newport, and he Abby, you're familiar with him. I all time still. He writes about uh, like digital minimalism and um, about um, doing really strategic, deep, meaningful work and, and trying to go deep versus going wide in your work and your life. And um, I love anything written by him. And his work right now is what I've been really focused on and talking to people about and trying to encourage other people to pick up and read. Brene Brown. I also love Brene Brown. You know, she's my other, she's my other guru of sorts. Um, but yeah, Cal and Brene. Those are my, those are my homies. Yeah, I'm a big, I was, I was a big fan of Cal's work last year,
1: and I was just telling someone about it, and I wanted to lend them a copy of the book, but I already lent it. Like anytime I'm, like I have a book, I'm like lending it out, and so I had given it
2: to another soulmate actually. Yeah. So I'm spreading, I'm spreading it throughout the Carolina. I love that. Um, I love that. I think like I think what's relevant to software one with Cal Newport's work is, you know, we move so fast that it's really easy here to get there's software one and then there's like the greater context that we're in, which is that we're in this world where we have social media and all these things and technol technology and distractions flying in our face and, and it can be really hard to focus or to feel like you're making a really deep significant impact in one area of the business or in um, one way with your family is transferable. Um, and um, so, yeah, so what he just advocates for is, is specific strategies to minimize some of those distractions and to identify what's, what's really important to you. You have one life to live. Um, so what's really important to you and then how are you really gonna go after that with, with passion and he believes that's kind of the secret to, to life's happiness and success.
0: Do you have a favorite um, software one trip that you've been on
2: for sure oh my gosh i've been on so many really amazing software one trips oh that's been one of my one of my favorite parts of working here is the travel um by the way i love this interview it's so fun um this is taking it's taking me to my small so happy place um you know the one that the one that is that always comes to mind is um Probably the second year I was working here, I um, was asked to travel to our Wimbledon office. And so um, one of my colleagues and I decided, okay, so we're going to travel to Wimbledon. If we're going to go um, take that trip, let's tack on some extra adventure. So let's go to um, Edinburgh, Scotland for a weekend, then do the week in Wimbledon, and then um, fly down to Sevilla, Spain and do a weekend in Sevilla, Spain. and. Um, so we kind of had these adventures planned, and we took two separate flights from Milwaukee over to the UK. And when we land, when I landed in the UK, and my phone booted up and I got reception, the first thing I got was a text message from him saying, um, "I missed my flight, and it's going to be fifteen hundred dollars to rebook. So you're on your own, kid. Have fun." And I was like, "I guess I'm going to explore these new parts of the world by myself." Um, and. Uh, One of my great joys in life actually is solo adventure. I'm an introvert, so just getting to go out and explore on my own can be really rewarding. But um, fun fact on this whole thing is when I went to Edinburgh, um, I was having such a good time and loving it. And then I may or may not have been also drinking some mulled wine because it was kind of a cold part of the year. And I was a little bit um, tipsy slash happy and there was this tattoo parlor next door to the bar where I was drinking mulled wine. And so I wandered in there and there happened to be this, this Scottish tattoo artist named Atal who, according to legend, tattooed like Scottish rock stars. And he was like, oh, I just had a cancellation. So I can get you in if you want something. And I'd always wanted to get adventure tattooed on me because it's one of my core values and um so i got this tattoo on my arm that says adventure always and so it's like my sophomore one tattoo slash um uh memory of a really great adventure and in a way that i try to uh, live my life so
0: yeah that's awesome i was like i didn't know that story oh, so my yeah. jaw was just like dropped right then yeah. so
2: you post on Instagram the tattoo
1: you got, I knew you are on a trip, but I was like, what in the world, and it, so I love that story, I hadn't known before, but now I bet you, I people see that, like, because it's like, sure it, people have seen it before, and it's fun to know now that, oh, that's from a, a software one trip.
2: Yeah, and, okay, so another like fun software one thing too about that was actually Levi, um, had traveled to Sevilla, yeah. and I remember, yeah. You, like, geeked out with me because you knew I was going, and so you sat down and gave me this really wonderful list of recommendations and things I needed to see while I was in Sevilla, which I totally did. Yeah. And we were able to compare notes, so, like, you know, the Software One universe and us all taking good care of each other and um, loving global travel, I think, connects us as well.
0: Definitely. Yeah. Um, Do you have anything more, Abby?
1: Um, What? Okay. Uh, look, I love this question. What's the hardest you've ever laughed or recently that you laughed really, really hard
2: and it was just like a great moment. I love thinking about this kind of stuff so bear with us. I don't know if this is gonna translate. Um, so <laughs> the reason, I can't think of like the hard the hardest of've ever I mean I, I laugh a lot fortunately. Um, recently, oh gosh so okay. Um, when you have a little a little kid who's in daycare, What you learn is that, um, especially in a place like Wisconsin, for their first cold and flu season, you're just in this eternal cycle of sickness. It's so gross, and everything just feels germy, and you're cycling through stuff, and then you share it as a family because little kids can't contain their germs very well. Anyway, so there's this one specific virus called hand, (laughs) hand, foot, and mouth. And it's just disgusting that little kids get. And it's really typical, but basically for them it means they're gonna get these awful blisters in their mouths and all over their hands and feet. But um, the pe- thing people don't talk about a lot is that that can actually transfer to adults, and it's even worse in adults. And like, uh-huh. it's not gonna it's not gonna kill you, but it's like apparently like the most miserable experience of your life. So the last time I laughed really hard was so my <laughs> we had a hand foot and mouth outbreak at our daughter's daycare center, and my husband called me from work and was like oh, I've got some blisters on my hands. I think I might be getting this. And I was like, oh, you're fine. You're just, you're just getting yourself psyched out. Um, and then he came home from work that, that night and I looked at his hands and feet and sure enough, it was really evident that's what was taking place. And I was just fine. And so then I started Googling and like reached out to a parents group, um, local parents group. And everyone was like, oh, good luck. This is going to be the worst, like week and a half of your life. And, My husband gets, like, the, like, man flu, if you've heard of that before. I know it's a little stereotypical, but anyway, he can't handle having, like, a stuffy nose. And so um, usually I'm really empathetic, but I laughed so hard that I was, like, in tears only because I was like, oh, you are so done. You're so in for it. And then in the end, it ended up being really anticlimactic, and he never got super sick, and the blisters went away. And so it was not this horrible experience, but for whatever reason, I just thought it was, like... The worst slash funniest thing ever. I sound like such a jerk and I have a wonderful husband who I love. Really, really, <laughs> but um, it was, it was really, it was
0: really funny at the moment. Yeah. I'm glad it turned out. Okay. For yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Me yeah. Me too. So, so maybe I just,
1: know, I just all day court. I, like I want, is there anything else you can ask?
0: Her? Well, I was just going to, I was hoping to wrap it up with just one thing quickly and then we can turn off. We've already been uh, 31 minutes. So last thing, just quickly, you do a lot of these workshops For Software One, LD, can you give a quick plug or make a quick thing about the workshops, maybe encourage people to sign up, or just what's your quick 30 seconds, one minute on that?
2: Yeah. So, we have five core competencies, um, leadership competencies at Software One. And and when I say that, what I mean is we have five areas that we believe our people and our leaders need to be really good at in order to drive our business forward in the right direction. And um, those are inspired through culture own the strategy, drive for results, um, drive change, and building high-performing teams. And so in North America, we're actually the only region globally that offers um, five workshops around those five competencies right now, so we're really lucky. Um, they're all here in Waukesha this year in 2020, with the exception of Drive Change. We're not going to offer that one this year. but. You can take the other four. Um, we have a hub in Fuse, so if you want to learn anything more about those, how to apply, how to get into them, go to Fuse, um, just search workshops, and they will come up for you. and um, otherwise, the Noram Learning and Development team, which is NORAM Learning at SoftwareOne.com, um, are here to help you, and, and we hope to see you in 2020 in and, and a workshop. for sure, take advantage.: Awesome. Well,
1: Levi, that was such a great interview. Uh, We've already taken up maybe 30 minutes of of our audience's time. So I think we can just do a real quick recap. What was like your favorite thing that you learned or something you like best about that?
0: Yeah, my favorite thing is how she always refers to her software on Happy Place. And so Happy Place is also the name of my favorite beer. So that (laughs) that gets me every time.
1: Oh, I love that. Um, Courtney and I were talking about um, when we asked her about like her favorite song right now or a song that she wanted to play. Uh, we both kind of stumbled over the band and so I wanted to like just let the audience know that it's The High Women. And I did my research after this and it's really cool because it's an all female supergroup and it's actually the name comes from the Highwaymen, which was a country supergroup um that was made up of Johnny Cash and Waylon Jennings and Willie Nelson and Chris Christopherson. So that was like this all male supergroup in the 80s and these Badass Women created their own version of it last year. So that was something that I wanted to be able to speak to more. And I know, Courtney, probably wanted to share that message as well. So if you guys haven't heard of them, go check them out.
0: Yeah, it sounds like I have a playlist for the rest of the day.
1: Yes, I was listening to them this morning.
0: Perfect. Well, that's all for today's episode of The Soul Files. Join us next time for our interview with Neil Lomax.
1: Credit to Brandon for the audio work again. Thank you for doing your best with what, we, with what we gave you.
0: And finally, don't forget to give us feedback about the podcast. Right now, you can find it on Anchor. You can find it on Yammer. You can find it on Fuse. Um, we're trying to get it out there for everyone to listen.